This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity with Dan Monroe. Alrighty. Well, today I want to do a bit of a follow-up on all the concepts from my book, Nothing to Lose. You know, I talked about nothing to lose as in feeling like you've literally got nothing you can lose. There's no loss uh, as a consequence of any of your actions. And I, now I want to approach this from the opposite angle. I want to talk about the concept of having something to lose, which is what you believe when you don't believe that you've got nothing to lose, as obvious as that sounds. And I want to, I want to dispel it. I want to challenge the idea that you've ever had anything to lose. And the reason I want to challenge this idea is because your belief that you can lose something is the number one cause of lacking integrity. The reason that you're dishonest or manipulative or procrastinating or afraid or any of that stuff comes from the original belief system that there is something to lose. And if you can change this belief system, you become free in a way that you've probably never known before. And I want to see today if I can help you achieve that level of freedom. A level of freedom I do believe that I currently experience. Because there's a problem with success. And by success I mean getting something. Having something. Achieving something that can now be lost. That kind of success. Whether it's money or popularity or even some sort of physical change in your body. These kinds of things that you think you now have. The problem with this is that they now create uh, higher stakes. You've now got something to lose. The more money you make, the more money you've got to lose. The more friends you have, the more friends you can lose. The more your girlfriend loves you, the bigger the relationship will be to lose. Uh, the nicer your house is, the more nice stuff you've got to lose. There's a Success comes with an attachment, and the more you're successful in this definition the more there is to lose, the greater the fear of loss. I mean, no one's more scared of loss than the guy who owns everything, right? And that is holding you back. And, and the things you have go beyond what can be seen physically. You can be worried about losing a connection with someone. You can be uh, worried about, I don't know, all sorts of things, losing your mind. And this worry, this... This fear of loss infects your intentions, your originally valued intentions to do things. Your integrity gets infected by this fear of loss and subtly manipulates your own behavior until you lose who you are in your desperate attempt to keep things and to get things. I see this really tragic pattern actually with clients that I work with. A great example of this is I'm working with a guy on a social skills, say. And I finally get him to a position where he's really willing to lose people's approval. He doesn't care anymore if people like him. He's willing to lose his approval in order to be honest with people. Now, ironically, when you get to this stage, that's when you do become your most popular. You're more likely to connect deeply with people and be seen as attractive when you simply don't give a fuck and you just speak your mind all the time. You know, that's just basic fact. Now the problem with this is, as you finally get to that position, and this happens with so many of my clients, they finally get to this position where they're like, you know what, I'm going to go on this date with this girl, I don't care what she thinks of me, even though I like her. And the problem is, now, he's really likable. 
And he'll go on the date and she loves him because he's so authentic. Because he's so honest and so doesn't care and he's not needy. And because it, you know, in in uh, quotation marks, works, he panics. He's like, holy shit, I was totally prepared for that to not work. What I didn't expect is that it would. And he swings back. So the guy who originally didn't give a fuck, now he does because now he's got something to lose. Now this girl actually likes him and he's afraid of losing that. And it's so tragic and ironic because now he'll switch back to the more dishonest and less vulnerable guy that he had originally been. And then he'll lose the girl because that's not what she was attracted to. She liked the honest, nothing to lose mentality. He'll actually sacrifice the very thing that made her like him in order to try and keep her. And this pattern, I see it all the time in so many different areas. You know, a guy will finally, with his business, he'll finally just give up on trying to get lots of money and just be authentic, and that will get him a lot of clients, and then he'll become attached to keeping those clients, and he'll lose his authenticity again, and then, of course, he'll lose the clients because they originally signed up for the authenticity. So this is what I'm talking about today, is why you need to keep refreshing and undoing this attachment to success if you actually want to be successful, ironically. You can see this all the time with politicians. You know, I, I've, I've met, when I was in university, I was surrounded by people who had interests in going into politics. And they were so idealistic, so pure in their motives and their intentions. And the ones who stayed pure don't make it in politics. You notice that? The only ones who make it to the top, who get into parliament, who get into the senate or whatever, were the ones who, along the way, were willing to sacrifice their ideals, their integrity, in order to play the game. So they gave up who they were in order to keep their position or their reputation or their momentum towards the top. So that by the time someone gets to the top, they're a shadow of their former selves. Whatever their original reason for getting into politics, that's long been lost. And now they're just this animal, this game-playing machine. And ironically, all the, the reward that they would have had from maintaining their integrity um, is lost. And the reward of being at the top is so tenuous, you've got so much to lose and you're so worried about losing it, that you can't even enjoy you know, running a country, essentially. Nothing to lose is the situation you're in when you're most likely to have integrity. When you really do not give a fuck about losing anything, the most honest version of you is going to emerge. If you've got something to lose, if you think or you believe that you have something to lose, it's inevitable that neediness is going to come in as you try to keep that thing, and with the neediness will come manipulation, deception, and avoidance. You cannot be fully honest and keep what you have as a mental concept. At some point, the honesty must be sacrificed to keep something and not lose it. At least that's how the brain is wired. So it's inevitable that you will lose yourself if you're trying to hang on to something else. And that's the key point I'm making here. If you feel like you've lost who you are, if you feel like you've lost your integrity, odds are it's because you're trying to keep something else. You can't have your fucking cake and eat it too. You can either have your integrity or you can keep things. Now you can have both. You can have integrity and have great things in your life. But it will be without any effort for you to keep those things in your life. You will always be willing to lose them and always be of the understanding that they're going to go at some point. 
let's start by looking at the mindset. Okay, that was just an introduction. The mindset. There's some things that have changed in the way I see the world that now allow me to regularly be in a position of having nothing to lose. And ironically, if you look at my life materially now, I've got all the things I ever wanted. But I'm willing to lose them. One of the key differences right at the core, at the kind of base level of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, is knowing the difference between wanting something and needing something. It's very important that you always reassess what you have into one of these two categories, whether you want to keep it or whether you need to keep it, and it's very simple to do. And that is, if it is necessary for your survival, say within the next three weeks, you will die without it, then you need it. If it does not fit into that category, it is in the everything else category, which is either you want it or you don't. But if you want it but don't need it, it is not necessary. So this is important. Because there's a lot of things that you will say, I need. I need the new iPhone. I need a car. I need a job. And yet if you were to say, well, in the next three weeks, if I don't have these things, will I die? The answer is often no. And this will be confusing for a lot of you. Something like, like I purposefully use the example of having a job. You think, no, but I, I need a job. I need a job to put food on the table and to survive. And yet there are people out there who don't have jobs, and yet they're alive. So the idea that you need a job to survive is not actually true. You need food to survive. But a job is not the only access to food. So it's important that you understand the difference between need and want. I need water. I need food. I need to shelter from the elements. That I need to survive. Anything else is essentially a luxury item. Even things like self-esteem. I don't need that to survive. Even things like uh, connection with other people. Wealth. Uh, meaningful career. I want those things, but I do not need them to survive. Now, just identifying that category is not going to do major things for you. But it's important you change your language, because when you say, I need something... When something, I've got to have it, I've got to get it. It's important. You often give it a status it does not deserve. Know the difference. The next thing with the mindset is philosophy. You have an idea that you can have something in the first place. I want to ask you, how can you claim to have or own something that can be taken away? Okay. So I want you to think of that. If something can be taken away at any time... Did you ever own it or have it? Somebody's love. If they'd suddenly wake up one morning not loving you, did you ever really have it? Was it ever really in your possession? If they can change it like that, without your permission, without your consent, without your involvement, they can change it. Did you ever really have it? If a gang with guns can come and storm your house and kick you out of it and squat there and make you go live somewhere else, do you really have your house? Do you really own it? If that situation is possible, how can you say that house was yours? If something you own can be stolen, if someone you like can stop liking you, if something you believe in can be destroyed by evidence, did you ever really have it? Or were you simply minding it, supervising it, until the time it decided to go? We often think we have a person, like, I've got my kids. Do you? If they decide never to talk to you again, 
Are they still yours? If they die, are they still yours? I'm not trying to trigger anyone here. But I used to think I had things. I thought I had my car, and I had my job, and I had my friends. And then every now and then you get that really rough reminder that you don't really have them. You know what I'm talking about when you get made redundant, when someone steals your car, when a friend turns out to have betrayed you. You realize, and this is the the great fear that most of us are trying to avoid, you get that clear piece of evidence, hey, you never really had this thing. At best, you were loaning it. But the terms of the loan were outside of your power. The people of Greece can tell you about this. The banks just took their money away. You think you own your money because it's in your bank account? And yet it can be taken away at any moment without any permission or involvement of your own. You don't really have your money. And if there was a nuclear war and all the fallout and everything and money was no longer valuable, you could still have that money in your bank account, but now it's worthless. So you don't have the value of your money. One of my favorite things was Crocodile Dundee. There, I can't remember which one it was. Somebody was asking him, and this is in the movie. Somebody's asking him, like, what do you think about Aboriginal rights? You know, who owns the land and stuff like that. And I can't, I'm not going to quote him exactly, but he says, well, you see that rock over there? That was there a million years before humans even got here. And it'll be here a million years after we die. So arguing over who owns it seems a bit pointless. And that's what all things are like. Everything we think we own, it doesn't care that we think we own it. It doesn't have any thoughts at all. It just is taken away. Your partner, her love for you, doesn't actually care whether or not you own it. Her love for you can go away like that. And when it doesn't, it just won't come back. And there's nothing you can do about that. You can't force it back. When you're attached to something that isn't yours, which is basically everything, you're doomed to grief because it's only a matter of time before you lose it. The best possible relationship in the world, the most successful relationship, long-term relationship, is going to end by one of you dying. That's the best possible end. Is one of you dying. Your car's going to break down. The money you have is going to be spent or taken away. You never really get to have or keep anything. You get an illusion of having and keeping for long periods of time. But it's only a matter of time before that thing is gone. Think of all the stuff you had as a child. Where is it now? Even the love from your parents has changed, if it still exists. When you lose something, all you're really doing, that grief feeling, is you're simply realizing the truth, and the truth is that you never had it. And this is why we're scared, because deep down we've got this existential dread that we don't have anything. We feel a great neediness to have things, And then we're terrified by the truth that we can never have things. It's kind of like a hunger that can never be satisfied. No matter how much you eat, you will still be hungry again in the future. You can never get rid of it. No amount of food will cure it. Except there is hope. Because you do have something. And that something is you. Your brain the body and whatever functioning is available in that body, but most importantly, your mind. That's what you do have. That's what's been with you your entire life. It's the one thing no one can really take away unless you include dementia or something like that. But while you've got your mind, you've got something, and it's the most 
for everything you're ever going to have. The longest relationship of having and keeping something you're ever going to have is with your own mind. So you're so busy focused on keeping in all this other temporary stuff that is definitely going to be taken away from you at some point or another. Instead of focusing on the one thing, the only thing you do have. So I want, in terms of mindset, I want us all to start with the truth that you never have anything but yourself. You can imagine, and this is what I imagine, you can imagine that you've been dropped into your life right now. That your past is nothing but a pre-work manual you've received on what's happened up until this point. Uh, None of it is, you're not attached to any of it. It dropped into your life, into your house, into your job, into your car, into your relationship, into your friend circle with no attachment. You were literally dropped in here. You didn't choose it, which is very true of your life. You don't get to choose your parents. You don't get to choose your genetics or your body. You're just dropped into life. And because your particles are constantly changing all the time and changing form, who you are right now is essentially a drop in at most a couple of weeks old. Every every molecule, every atom that makes up your brain has been switched out at some point in your life. You aren't the person you started as. You have dropped into your life. And that's the frame to take because you really do have nothing to lose. You've just been magically transported into a life and you can do whatever you want with it. You're not attached to keeping anything the same, keeping anything in your possession. Now let's have a look at how to translate this into practical terms. I want to talk about three areas here. Health, wealth, and relationships. The three areas I always focus on. I'll have a little look at survival as well, but health, wealth, and relationships. Uh, Let's start with wealth, actually. I want to have a look at the difference between wealth and the value of resourcefulness. Because wealth is the thing you can't control. Resourcefulness is. There's, There's a kind of truism in business. A millionaire who's earned it from scratch, can go bankrupt at any time and he'll be back to being a millionaire very quickly. You can't knock him down for very long because he knows how to get there from zero. Whereas somebody who's inherited wealth or won the lottery, and there's there's much factual evidence to back this up, you take all their money away from them, they're fucked. They're more useless than someone who's been in a low-wage job their entire life. Because they have no skill as accumulating that wealth. They don't know how it's created. They were just given it, handed it. Now this is the same for anything in terms of wealth, property, of any kind. If you had to figure out from scratch how to accumulate it, then you can always survive it being taken away. If you're resourceful, if you know how to adapt to situations and make the best of them, how to build the skills necessary to accumulate resources... You're essentially a hunter. You can go out every day and hunt from scratch with an empty stomach and an empty cupboard and come back and fill that cupboard. But if someone's been filling that cupboard for you, you're fucked. What I mean by this is that some people focus on wealth accumulation rather than focusing on building the skill set of resourcefulness. A classic example of this is the difference between an employee and an entrepreneur. An employee gets given their paycheck no matter how hard they work, essentially. They just turn up to work, they do their eight hours, and money arrives in their bank account. That is somebody who's focused on wealth accumulation. They're just keeping what they're given. 
Now, if you take that person, you put them in a position where they are now unemployable, they cannot get a job, they're fucked. You can see this with guys who get made redundant. They're just so destroyed by the redundancy because of the illusion that they could keep their job forever. It's taken away. And they're scared that their ability to create income has been taken away forever as well. But you take an entrepreneur and their business fails, they can just start a new one and it'll be better than the last one. You can knock them down again and again, and they'll just keep getting back up again and again. So in practical terms, no matter what kind of career you've got going on, you should be building your resourcefulness capability. Figuring out how is it that you can put food on the table, no matter what is taken away from you. Being able to answer that question. And in very practical terms, what I suggest is even if you are a full-time employee, you make sure you've got some side gig on the side, when nobody gives you money, you have to earn it. You have to go out there and make it. Even if it's a trade business where there's no money involved, but you learn how to swap your skills for resources. Something out there where you learn how to put food on your family's table without needing someone to allow you to keep a job, without someone else filling your bank account, if that makes sense. You focus on wealth, just accumulating your 401k or whatever the fuck. Any government that comes along in the future might take it away from you. You can be made redundant. You could be in a car accident that makes you incapable of doing the job that you've been doing for 40 years. You're in a really fragile position. Whereas if you're an entrepreneur understands the concept of building something from scratch because you've done it again and again. You understand the psychology of marketing. You understand how to sell how to create value, and then how to trade that value for other resources. If you can build that skill set, then you'll never need the job. You'll want it, maybe, because it's fun, interesting, easy, but you'll never need it, which, of course, will make it a lot easier for you to plan your career. Let's look at relationships, the difference between having a social circle and having social skills. Social circle, I see this all the time for people who like never really move around the world much. They got the same friends they had in primary school, elementary, whatever you call it. They Their friends are just whoever's handed to them, like the people they work with or the people in their rugby club. They just take what they can get and they try to keep it. It doesn't matter how much they have to sacrifice who they are in order to keep those friends. Whether they have to drink even though they don't like drinking or whether they have to talk about sports even though they're not really into it. They'll do whatever they can to just keep the social circle they were given. You take that person and you throw them out of that city and you put them in a new one and they're completely destroyed socially. If they have to start from scratch, they're fucked and they often go diving into a deep depression. And that's the person I used to be. I needed the social circle I'd been basically born with in order to survive. If that social circle was taken away from me, I was lost. But then you can focus on your ability to connect. Social skills, as it's often called. If you have the ability to connect, then it doesn't matter what's happening with your social circle. They could all abandon you. You could have to move to another country. You could even move to a place where you don't speak the language. You could move to a place that you've never had any familiarity with before. And yet you're not going to have any panic or any major sense of loss because you can connect with anyone, anywhere, anytime. Now that takes more effort than just keeping the social circle you're given. You have to go out and meet people. You have to learn how to interact with people from different cultures and different viewpoints. 
You have to constantly practice putting yourself in uncomfortable situations socially in order to manage your way through them. You've got to develop that adaptability. You've also learned psychology. Learn what it is that makes two humans connect. How to be authentic and honest with people so they can see who you really are and so that you can polarize them into either loving or hating you. But you develop that skill, that ability, and you never need to worry about your friends being taken away. Loneliness will never be an issue for you again. Anywhere, anytime, you'll be able to build up from scratch, just like the entrepreneur. You call yourself a social entrepreneur. And health. You know, a lot of people, uh, they're really destroyed by like an accident or an injury or an illness. Uh, people that have kind of just had whatever their genetics and have just played that card their whole life been enough to get by either they've got like a naturally high metabolism or even if they're not in particularly great shape it's always been enough but what happens when you get that injury that takes you off work for six months you know how do you recover from that and what about your survival skills there are people out there that if you took away if you suddenly took away all their money and put them in a homeless situation they would be really fucked they're not they're not capable of managing that situation Fuck, I'm probably one of them. But if I've done survival skills courses and I've practiced exposing myself to cold, which is something I'm doing, if uh, if I've done what you know, SAS uh, Andy McNabb says, you know, about how being cold, wet, and hungry is the toughest thing for a human to be at the same time. If I've learned how to expose myself to that, if I've learned how to make a fire, if I've learned how to hunt and prepare my own meat or cook my own vegetables and so on and so forth. I can take care of my health no matter what happens. One of the things I think of with health is what happens if there's a big war and all the public amenities are taken away? What if it's just dog eat dog? Would I survive? Now I actually came up with the answer is no to that for myself personally, which is why I'm working on a, a specific set of skills at the moment. But in terms of health, you know, rather than hoping that your body will stay the same, it's getting yourself to a level of adaptability where you don't need it to stay the same. Where if you have an accident, you can manage your way around it. Where if your luxuries are taken away, you can survive on the minimum. Intermittent fasting, exercise skills, martial arts. All of these kind of things protect your health and safety. The point I'm making with all of these sort of more practical examples is that people are focused on having and getting and keeping rather than focusing on adaptability, resourcefulness, on the skill of coming up from zero and constantly putting themselves in a zero position so that they practice the skill. You know, traveling the world's a great one from this. It often puts you in zero in so many categories. You lose your house and home. It's really hard to maintain your health when you're on planes and stuff all the time. You lose your social circle, you run out of money. If you can keep traveling the world with those barriers, you're going to be developing the skills you need to make sure that you never need to have anything or keep anything again. And this is often why well-traveled people are so much more adaptable and flexible to upsets. Keep letting go. You know, as Byron Katie says, how do I know I don't need something? I don't have it. Every time you feel attached to something, ask yourself, Without this, will I die? If the answer is no, just notice that. And ask yourself, well, if I feel needy about something that I don't need, what is the adaptability I'm lacking? 
If I feel needy about a relationship, odds are it's my connection skills that are lacking. If I feel needy about money, it's probably my sales and marketing and entrepreneurship skills that are lacking. If I feel needy about health, it's probably my exercise and nutrition knowledge that I'm lacking. And reward yourself for your attempts and your skills and not for getting stuff. You've been trained to be feel rewarded for getting stuff your entire life. Get first place in the race and you get the A on your exam and you, you get the approval from your parents. You've always felt lots of dopamine, lots of rewards for that. You change that system where you reward yourself for attempting to be more adaptable. So rather than me rewarding myself for having abs, which I don't yet, I'll reward myself for constantly having a cold shower each morning and going to the gym. That I'll reward myself for because that's training my adaptability. I'll reward myself for learning, for keeping my mind flexible, rather than rewarding myself for staying the same and keeping things I've gotten. Focus on building skills and surviving on the minimum, rather than focusing on accumulating stuff to stay comfortable. Keep finding a way to put yourself in zero, even if it's only temporarily in order to build the skills to get out of zero. You know, starting your own business, even if you keep your employment on the side, starting your own business just to see how do I create something from nothing. Going to a party where you don't know anyone, just to see how do I create a conversation with someone I've never met in a situation where I'm full of people, uh, when I'm surrounded by people who I've never met. Maybe you've been relying on the gym, for example, with, with fitness. Try and go for a whole month of exercising, with no gym equipment. Adapt. Constantly put yourself at zero where what you usually have and keep is taken away. Do this on purpose because when it happens involuntarily, which it will happen, when it's taken away from you, that won't be the first time you've experienced it. You'll be used to this and ready for it. You'll be able to adapt to any situation. You'll find that this adaptability is transferable. If you can adapt to constantly moving and having no friends and being able to like quickly make new friends in a new place, You'll find it's easier to also to create clients for your business. Very similar skill set. And if you can create clients for your business, you'll find you have a confidence in your survival that allows you to give up some of the safeties and comfort that you don't need at home. Which, of course, will make you more confident in yourself. And this thing just escalates and builds on top of itself. Because ultimately, what I really want to finish with here, the most confident person is the one who knows that if you take everything away from him, he's going to be fine. That's confidence, isn't it? So if right now you're not that guy, ask yourself, what do I need to train and learn and adapt to in order to become that guy or girl? I'll see you next time. <laughs>